Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Everybody all right now? We're going to get into the Word of the Lord. And uh, I just want our minds to be on the same page in our hearts And let's just let the Spirit of God speak to us. I'm going to go back in some of my opening comments. And I want to say that I believe that that the Scripture is true when it says that the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. I found myself, just like many of you, at divine intersections. And you were there and you realized for a purpose and a reason God had me sitting right here at the end of this table across from this individual because God had something that he was going to move upon them to speak into my heart. It was casual conversation to them, but you see, the Lord knew what I needed, and it connected to something that Brother Gibson and I had talked about a few weeks prior to that, and I began to put that together, and also in addition to November being... uh, dedicated to a, a 30, 30, 30 days of November, 30 minutes of prayer, and then our prayer revival and everything that's been going on. I just feel like that we're in the perfect will of the Lord at this very time. And so with that said, I'm just going to ask you to lean in and hear the word of the Lord. Amen. When we think about the book of Psalms, there is certainly a tendency for us to think about praise. And uh, so much of Psalms is linked to praise. And I'm, I'm not here to try to, to um, take away from any of that at all. Because certainly um, the, the Psalms give us a, a tremendous platform for praise. David, along with a few other writers, not only were just used with a pen and parchment, but they were used as great examples. Um, and they have given us an unquestionable pattern for praise. Many of these psalms teach us how to praise and uh, the posture of praise, if I could say it that way. Perhaps bowing, kneeling, standing, shouting, clapping, lifting our hands uh, with a dance. Perhaps, uh, you know, the list goes on. And so we understand, certainly if you have any type of Pentecostal background, all of the things that I just mentioned right there, we can relate to all of those. Those postures of praise, we understand that we understand that primarily because they are given to us in the Psalms and the writers have given us that. And so these precious passages further challenge us to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. He said, make a joyful noise unto the Lord all your lands. The the Psalms challenge us to come before his presence with singing, to enter into his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. The Psalms challenge us to be Thankful unto him and to bless his holy name. And on and on and on we go. The Psalms, they are a treasure trove of worship and praise. 
They are the things that quotes are made of and songs are written of. It is not uncommon at all to see framed sometimes even a literal song on the wall of someone's home or at least the takeoff, the principle of a song. They are tremendous, tremendous tools. But that's not all that's going on in these psalms. While some may agree that psalms seems to be synonymous with praise, it may surprise us to realize that, that the word praise only actually only appears 160 times in just a total of 64 of the 150 psalms that were given. Now, I'm, I'm not again trying to, to take away or suggest that praise is not significant because it is, but psalms deals with more than just praise. In fact, there's something else at work here in many of these passages. In addition to all the provocations of praise, there is a command for us to pray in precatory prayers. In precatory prayers. And that's what I want to preach about today in precatory prayers. In precatory prayers means to invoke evil upon or curse one's enemy. Now, I know that for just a moment that may sound a little disconcerting, but you just stay with me if you will. The psalmist David used phrases all throughout his writings, such as Psalms 35 and 6, where David prayed this. He said, make their path be dark and slippery with the angel of the Lord persecuting them. Amen. Amen. And so there was a challenge to pray and to speak against the evil that comes against the church. I said a few nights ago when we have been making such a focus on prayer, when you begin to pray and push forward, there is always a push back. And it's at that moment you got to decide what you're going to do. Amen. Are you going to just walk back or are you going to push back? And I believe that if there was ever a day that the church needed to lift its voice and speak out against the evil of this world. I'm not just talking about wearing a sandwich sign or some, somehow getting in some protest line and I'm not judging those that do that. But I'm talking about crying out in prayer because in prayer that is the most powerful posture of the church. Amen. I, I believe that we have to understand the power of that. These prayers were not written so much to extract revenge upon somebody's enemy, but it is to emphasize God's hatred of evil. We're not trying to take vengeance into our own hands. I don't want you to misunderstand that because vengeance, we clearly know, belongs to the Lord. Amen. But we need to emphasize God's hatred over evil and his sovereignty over all of mankind and his divine protection upon his chosen people, the church. Amen. Now, these prayers do not just get a slight mention here and there, but 104 times in more than 25 of the 150 Psalms, we are admonished to pray against the enemies of God. Now, I realize there are some soft-hearted theologians around the world that may dismiss the idea of impregnatory prayers as something that's being antiquated or primitive and, and no longer is relevant for our day. But I just come to this pulpit today to declare to you and remind you that all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. Amen. All Scripture. 
The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 that the word is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be truly furnished unto all good works. Therefore, we cannot come across a passage of scripture and say, well, I'm just going to take this out. I'm going to take this and I'll leave that. Amen. I can't just afford to cut out 104 references in 25 of the Psalms. Amen. We can't just pretend they were never there, close our eyes, and feel as though we have no obligation spiritually to the command here. They're there. So we need to examine them and we need to see what they say and what they say specifically to us. The truth of the matter is this, that those who wrote these truths, those who gave us these psalms, those who gave us these imprecatory prayers were also living in a cursed world. Amen. They were also living in a fallen world. They too wanted God's kingdom to come and his will to be done in earth and in heaven. They too had enemies that were working to frustrate God's purpose and God's plan in their lives. Sometimes they felt afraid Am I talking to anybody? Sometimes they too felt alone. Sometimes they felt too that God was unaware of all of the ills that were going on on this planet we call earth. Hear me today. These were not brutish people. These were not bloodthirsty people. Amen. They like us merely wanted justice and wanted deliverance. They wanted good to triumph over evil. Amen. We can feel their pain in any of these psalms. The enemy snares drugs these riders to their knees in prayer but not just any prayer not now I lay me down to sleep prayer not God bless us prayer amen not God blanket prayer but they prayed passionate prayers of persistence God's honor and God's name were at stake. Can I tell you that in 2018 that God's honor and God's name is still at stake. His word is being challenged. His will is being challenged. Amen. I dare say that the church can afford to take a back seat and sit on our hands and pretend that there is not evil flowing shoulder deep in our world. We need to be the church. Not just a church with a steeple and a community, not just a church to sing pretty songs, not just a church to have a building in a, in a society or in a community, but we are the church to fall upon our knees and pray and speak against the evil that is in this world. We are called, we are called to speak against the evil that is in this world. Praise God. Praise God. I was, sharing a, I was sharing a story with Elder Brother Gibson a few weeks ago in his home. And, and I, as I got to the end of that story, uh, when I got to the end of it, he raised up in his chair and he said, well, does not the scripture say that we ought to reprove sin? Yes, it does say that we ought to reprove sin. Amen. We have taken a passive approach for too long, thinking that it's all just going to work its way out. Somehow thinking that it's all just going to come out in the wash but I believe that the church ought to find a place on our knees and say today God for the evil that is in this world I've decided to raise my voice and to speak against that and declare against that I have decided that in prayer I'm going to shake heaven and I'm going to move hell with the power of our prayer amen so to that end 
And so to that end, they were and were praying in precatory prayers. Here's what some of them sounded like. Some of them sounded like, please plead my cause, O Lord, and fight against them that fight against me. How many times are we going to get hit in the face? before we raise our voice and say, God, your word tells me that I can pray that you would fight against them that fight against me. And I'm asking you to go to work now. Amen, stand up. The Bible says, stand up for my help and draw out also the spear. Another one says, let them be confounded and put to shame. Another one says, let them be turned back and brought to confusion. Let them be as the chaff before the wind. Let the angel of the Lord chase them. Let their way be dark and slippery and let the angel of the Lord persecute them. I'm gonna tell you, it gets pretty serious when the church kneels down and said, Lord, we've had enough and enough is enough and today we raise our voice and we say no more are we just going to let this flow into our home, into our heart into our families, into our mind but we're going to stand and build a wall of prayer a prayer, a prayer to say God we need you to help us some of these prayers get pretty graphic and and uh, I don't want you to be off put here, but I'm just in the scripture. You can read this in your Bible. Amen. The one prayer was let his days be few. Amen. Another prayer, let his children be vagabonds and beggars. Let them seek bread out of desolate places. Let strangers spoil his labor and let his posterity be cut off and let their name be blotted out. In Psalms 109, he is praying against his enemies. Amen. He is praying for their defeat and ultimately for their destruction because why? Not because they're bloodletting. Not because they want blood to run knee deep in the street. Amen. But because they want good to win over evil. Can I tell you all that's needed for evil to prevail and all that is needed for evil to win is for good people to say nothing. Good people to do nothing. Amen. That's all you need for evil to win is for the good to just sit down and take a back seat. But I say if we want good to win then we need some good people, amen, that'll say, God, we want you to stand and honor your word. I want you today to touch those that are trying to touch us. I believe it's all right to pray against them and those and the spirits that are trying to frustrate the purpose of God's will in our lives individually or for the church. Why, we wouldn't stand and just let some stranger walk in our house at 3 o'clock in the morning. Because we're afraid we're going to offend them. Afraid they wouldn't come back and visit us. Afraid that, afraid that we might just somehow jade their opinion of us. If somebody is up to no good, amen, we ought to call out the no good. Amen, if the devil's up to no good, we ought to call out the no good and say, here's the line, and we're not going any further than this. Here's the line, and I'm not backing up anymore. Amen, because we want good to prevail in this hour. Undeniably, undeniably, there is evil. And there is darkness. And there is wickedness in this world. And this devious conspiracy, amen, works ruthlessly to frustrate God's purpose. I'm going to tell you that the enemy is not going to sit back and let any church, including this church, move forward without trying to frustrate the purpose of his will in our lives. And if we just sit back, 
with our hand over our mouth. God, forgive us. Or we can raise our voice and say, God, we need you to go to bat for us today. We need you to go to bat for us today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't ever, don't ever dream in your wildest imagination that when the Lord said to, to Simon Peter that Satan desires to sift you as wheat, that this is some isolated situation. This is some protected, unique situation where Simon Peter alone is the only person. Can I tell you, you can scratch out Simon Peter's name and you can add any name in this building, any name in this world and say that Satan has desired to sift us as wheat, to destroy us, to grind us to dust. But we are gonna lift our voice and say today, amen, God, I'm asking you to let your angels chase that spirit out of here. I'm asking you, God, to send your power, Lord, to frustrate the purpose of hell. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. In the Old Testament, those enemies were physical adversaries. For instance, Canaan was a land of promise. But Sister Pope, Canaan, that land of promise was filled with enemies. Physical enemies. Real enemies. Armed enemies. Giant enemies in some cases. It's populated by people that hated God, Jehovah God, and hated his purpose. And so they had to do something about the enemies. The enemies had to be banished. Joshua had his Jericho. What are you going to do? Joshua, you going to stand and be intimidated in the shadow of Jericho's walls? Or are you going to do what the saith the Lord? Amen. Get your people together and start marching around this building. Amen. We're going to march. We're going to march. This makes no sense. But you just know what I'm telling you. It doesn't make any sense. It's never been recorded like this. We've never done it this way. But that's all right. What are you going to do about your Jericho? David had to face his Goliath. It's never been done this way with just a sling and a stone. But just go ahead and and David had enough sense as a teenager to say, you come to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name. I come to you in the name of the Lord. I'm going to tell you that David meant business with his enemy and he didn't just knock him down, but he took a sword and cut off his head. Hallelujah. Because you got to stop that. This trying to stop the church. You have to stop it. Praise God, ever since Lucifer's rebellion in heaven, he has sought to hurt and hinder the work of God by destroying the souls of men. Amen. These Old Testament writers were aware of this deception. Therefore, they engaged on behalf of God and on behalf of God's people. They fought to... that they fought to defeat the enemies of God and hear me, it did not end with the incarnation. It did not end with the birth of Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ himself was constantly under attack. The first church faced persecution. In Acts 4 and 29, the Bible says, Now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness we may speak thy word. The amen, the church was trying to be born and they were trying to put it back in the box. Amen. The church was trying to come out and they were trying to oppress them. Amen. They said, speak no more in this name. Preach no more about this God. Amen. Don't you, don't you allow this to get out. We're 
trying to put it back in the box, but they said, Lord, I'm going to ask you to touch us. Oh, Lord, I'm going to ask you to give us boldness that we may speak thy word. Lest you think that somehow these imprecatory prayers are just locked away in the Old Testament and that they are limited to the book of Psalms. I want to remind you that Paul also understood the power of praying imprecatory prayers. In 2 Timothy 4.14, he says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. (laughs) Amen. He's come against me with all kind of evil, Lord. Reward him for that. Grant him a blessing, God. Amen. Yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to be sarcastic, but I believe Paul understood well what he was saying. He's come against me, and he's come against your name. When he come against me, he come against you. When he come against you, he come against the church. And so, God, you touch him for that. Amen. In 2 Thessalonians 1 and 6, he said, it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. I'm gonna tell you, when people trouble you, they trouble God. Amen. When they're messing with you, they're messing with God. Touch not mine anointed. Amen. And do my prophets no harm. Can I tell you, you are the anointed of God. And when people touch you, amen, they have touched your they have touched the nature of the God that you serve. Yes, sir. Praise God. David was certainly praying for physical destruction of individuals who were against him. However, we know. Today, amen, in this day, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Our battle is against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of this world. Our battle is against spiritual wickedness in high places. So if you think that I am here trying to incite all of us and at the end of this message I'm going to announce that we're going to meet here at 3 o'clock today and we're going to arm ourselves with guns and knives and machetes and we're going to go, no, 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 you're missing the point. We wrestle not against flesh and blood but can I tell you just because we are not in a physical fight some people think we're not in a fight because we're not in a physical battle some people think we are in no battle but oh my friend we are in a battle we are in a war we are in a war and God needs his people and God needs his church God needs his bride God needs us not so much in the choir as in the prayer room God needs us more in the prayer room and in an altar than in a position God needs somebody to pray a prayer that would speak against and would bind the spirit of this world hallelujah Paul prayed that evil would be defeated and ultimately destroyed. Amen. And that right and righteousness would prevail. Let me, let me see if I can do this real quick. I was reading this morning in the book of Psalms, in the 89th Psalm, in verse number 19. Of old you spoke in a vision to your godly one and said, I have granted help unto one who is mighty, and I have exalted one chosen from the people. I have found David my servant, 
with holy oil have I anointed him so that my hand shall be established with him. My arm also shall strengthen him. Hear me, hear me right here. The enemy shall not outwit him. The enemy shall not outwit him. The wicked shall not humble him. I will crush his foes before him and I will strike down those who hate him. Amen. We got to stop patty caking for Jesus and realize we are in a battle here. We're in a battle here. Amen. There are undoubtedly demonic powers pledged to destroy your life, our friendships, our family, our marriages, our self-confidence, our self-esteem. Amen. The value of our ministry, the ability to press forward. Amen. The strength and the focus to stay on task. Amen. All of these things are there to frustrate us. Amen. They are there and if we don't acknowledge it, it doesn't mean the devil moves out. If you stay ignorant to it, it doesn't mean he's going to forget your address. As a matter of fact if you stay ignorant to it he may just move in your house and in your heart and in your mind and so I say God help us to be aware of the battle that we are facing the thief has come for to steal to kill and destroy who do you think the scripture is talking about you think this just blown somewhere Across the state line, it's in another county, it's in another home, another family. No, 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 no. No, friend. Our hope is firmly found in 2 Corinthians 10. I have these scriptures. 2 Corinthians 10, chapter 10, verse number 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, we have the power of imprecatory prayer. I didn't come to say now I lay me down to sleep. I didn't come tonight or today. I didn't come, amen, I have not knelt today in this altar, O Lord, just to sing praises and to hum a hymn or a, a song, amen. But I've come to pray against some things. We have the power to pray that the enemy can be discredited. Let them be found out. Reveal their hand. Amen. Reveal their corruption. Unveil this. Take a blanket off of it. Turn the light on God. Let the enemy be found out. Amen. The enemy can be defeated and ultimately destroyed. It's a biblical truth and we need to learn how to engage we need to pray against the God of this world. The Bible says that the God of this world has blinded the eyes of men. Amen. Blinded the eyes of men to what? Not physical blindness, but he has blinded the eyes of men to the truth of his word. And so, should we be held in hands and singing kumbaya about that? Should we just join together and say, shall we gather at the river about that? Or should we pray against that? Against the spirit of spiritual blindness. Amen. I'm giving you some prayer points. I hope you're getting them. Amen. We can pray against the spirit of spiritual blindness. 
Amen. We, the, the enemy, the God of this world is working to keep the walls of false doctrine from coming down. Amen. Let us keep everybody hidden behind walls of tradition. Amen. And so we need to not just look at that and say, oh, well, we're just doing all that we can. Are we doing all that we can? Amen. I know that we're gathering here every week, multiple times a week, but I'm asking, what are we doing in our home? What are we doing beside our bed? What are we doing in our prayer closet? Are we praying for the walls of false doctrine to come tumbling down? That's what we ought to be praying. Amen. Let the walls of false doctrine come down. Let the walls of tradition come falling down. Amen. Let the eyes of the spiritually blind see. I think it's all right to pray for false religion traditions to be exposed as nothing more than empty promises. I'm going to tell you just a few days ago, I was sitting in an office and a man, a very, uh, um, I don't want to get into the details of it because somebody tried to tr- connect the dots. But anyway, uh, a, a man not in, not in the church, didn't claim to be a part of the church, didn't claim to be anything at all. But he began to talk about the condition, the spiritual condition of this world. I was kind of blown away. Because I wasn't there on church business or ministry business. But he, he began to talk about the, the world that we're living in. He said, I don't know what people are thinking. And he said, even the church that he attended, and he, he named the, the, at least the brand of the church that he attended. And he said, we are all so comfortable. And everybody thinks that it's all okay, that you can live whatever you want to live, however how you want to live, and do whatever you want to do. And this man, he looked dead in the eyes at me, and he said, sir, whatever happened to holiness? I am not kidding you. He said, what what, what about the scripture where the Bible says that the son of man had no place to even lay his head? Amen, what about where the Bible says, he obviously knew a little bit about scripture. He said, what about where the Bible says, take up thy cross? He said, that doesn't sound pleasant to me. He said, but nobody in America wants to hear that preached from the pulpits today. He said, I'm worried about our churches in America. This was not a preacher. Amen, this was not a preacher. Hear me today. Amen, I say, God help us to realize. Amen, I tell you what, I was in that office. I was praying, God, give me a word. Oh, God, give me a word. Give me a word. Help me to say something. I was talking. I don't know how far it went. Amen, but I'm just asking the Lord to touch me. You know why? Because I felt like the walls of false doctrine and spiritual blindness was coming down in this man's life and he was looking around and saying, wait a minute, this is not getting the job done. Amen, we need to get under the load of this thing. Amen, we need to pray against these things. We need to pray against those things. We need to pray against the spirit of addiction. Amen. That has bound and enslaved so many. And I'm not just talking about our own, those that we're close to, those that we love. I get how much easier it is to pray about those that we're connected to. But I'm just talking about pray against the spirit of addiction in our community. Pray against the spirit of addiction in our cities. Pray against the spirit. Is this all right? Pray against that spirit. Amen. And let it be exposed and let it be broken. I believe that we ought to pray against the evil influence that so much media has become. We ought to pray that that gets just frustrated. We ought to pray that God would put a hedge about the minds and the hearts of our children and families. Pray. 
And we need to agree and pray <laughs> that the preoccupation with the sexuality of our age that has gripped the minds and the hearts, not just our teenagers. Let's don't just throw this off on somebody because we feel like we're in this. I don't think anybody is, is exempt from this. We need to pray against that spirit. God, you can't even pick up a magazine. You can't do anything in the world. You couldn't pick up anything in the line at the grocery store that would not or should not cause you to blush. It's the spirit of sexuality. Is this, don't worry about our kids. They hear way more than this every day. Way more. We need to pray against that mess. We need to pray against that to say, Lord, we are not comfortable with this. Amen. The fascination, the absolute fascination with indecent apparel. Amen. The promiscuous behavior that is just sabotaging our nation. You living in the same world I'm living in? You going in the same stores that I'm going in? Amen. You, you buying groceries the same place I'm buying groceries. I'm telling you, there is a promiscuous nature. Amen. There is just this carefree, this lax, this loose living. Amen. We need to pray that righteousness would flow like a river one more time down the streets of America, in the homes of America, in the lives of America. Amen. I want to pray over our young people. Amen. And you know what I want to pray? I want to pray that they would love God and that they would love godliness and they would love holiness and they would love righteousness and they they would love truth and they would love separation. Hallelujah. If we don't, if we don't pray this, who's going to pray? Who is going to pray? Who's going to pray? We need to pray. Psalms 35 says, fight against them that fight against me. Psalm 68 says, let God arise and let his enemies be scattered as smoke that is driven away and as wax that is melted before the fire. Do something about this, God. I'm tired of being punched. I'm tired, I'm tired of being hit. I'm tired of being bruised. Do something about this, God. That's what David's saying. David said, let their eyes be darkened that they might not see and, and pour out thine indignation upon them. Let their habitation be desolate. Psalms 109, I'm just going to suggest read for yourself. Be sitting. Get a chair. First John 3 says, For the purpose of the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now, I've said all that to say this. That was really just my introduction. <laughs> Some of you don't know if I'm serious or not. So I'm going to just let you guess. Here it is, and I want you to really hear, please hear the word of the Lord. We must do more than just love righteousness. We must hate wrong. Now, here's, here's, here's where I feel like we are as a church. I think we love righteousness. There's probably room to love it a little more. But I think we love righteousness. But the caveat is I don't think we hate 
evil. We're uncomfortable with it. We wouldn't want it moving in. But we're just so oversaturated by evil that's in our world until it doesn't move us like it used to move us. It doesn't offend some of us nearly as much as it used to for people to use foul language in our presence. Because we're getting tone deaf to it. Amen. All the perverted lifestyle that's going on in our world today that for you is always going on. You can read about it in the book of Genesis enough to make you blush. But but we for years, especially in, in, a, in our culture, for years it has been hidden. And now it is in the streets. And I'm not suggesting that we love it, but I don't know if we hate it enough. Because it's kind of a live and let live. You stay in your yard, I'll stay in mine. But God didn't call us to stay in our yard. He called us to find a place between the porch and the altar. And to call upon his name. And to speak against that. And to call evil what it is. And to call sin what it is. Amen. And so we got to do more than just pray for good. we got to pray against evil. You know the Bible. You know him well, Job. The Bible says he loved the Lord. And what? He eschewed. He hated. Hated evil. It stirred something in his heart. It turned something over within him. Something in us must turn at the sight of evil. And I'm going to tell you that if we can sit down and watch a television program that promotes all this nonsense and keep it on, we don't hate it enough. You don't hate it enough. You don't. I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm not trying to offend anybody at all. But I'm going to tell you that if we can watch sitcoms that talk about this one sleeping with that one today and that one sleeping with that one tomorrow and we just laugh and laugh and laugh about it all and we entertain ourselves on what Paul said in Romans that we should not even be spoken of, amen, and yet we're sitting down warming our hands over and all of that, then we don't hate that enough. We don't hate that enough. Amen, I think if somebody brought a... I think if somebody brought a skunk in our front door, we'd say, get that thing out of here right now, this instant. Amen, get that out of here right now. Amen, you can just be seated if you want to. Amen, but get that out of here right now. Amen, but, it, but nevertheless, we are allowing things to come into our home and our heart, and we just let it stay on, and we entertain ourselves by that because we don't hate it enough. We don't hate it enough. We've gotten comfortable. We used to sing a song, we want to dance like David danced. But we also need to pray like David prayed. Amen. It sounds brutal, I understand. But I'm going to tell you that, that some... Sin, some things only understand plain talk. Right. 
So you just start hinting around the edges of it. Amen. I believe there is not, not all, and I'm not trying to see what all I can shoot this morning, but I think we ought to be very careful of the games and the videos and things of that nature our children play with. Amen. Because, you see, the Hollywood producers are figuring out ways to slip in. Just slip in. We have an enemy in this world. We have an enemy in this world. And so we need to be on aware and on target and, and not be afraid. We need to pray songs of praise and, and certainly prayers of worship and adoration. But we need to know how to pray prayers that say enough. Enough. We're not doing this anymore. Amen. David said, let the wicked be ashamed. And, and, and David prayed this prayer. He said, let his net that he hath hid, let it catch himself. <laughs> yes, sir. Amen. It's in your Bible. You, you're, you're free to look it up. Amen. He said, let the net, let the net that he hath hid catch himself. Amen. I'm going to tell you that there are people that are hiding nets for our families and for our marriage. Amen. For our children. And we ought to pray, hey, God, amen, they set some traps here for us. We want you to let them fall in that trap. Amen. The Bible talks about digging a ditch and then falling in that ditch. The Bible talks pushing about pushing a stone am I right and that stone rolling back on you amen we ought to pray hey God for those that are trying to destroy my family I'm asking you to sick them amen I'm asking you to get after it God I'm asking you to open the door amen if they're hiding nets to kill I'm asking you to let them get caught in the net if they're hiding nets to destroy I'm asking you to let them fall in their own snare let them fall in their own snare Praise God. Let's let's stand together. Let's stand together, shall we? When's the last time you prayed? You're welcome, sir. When's the last time you prayed? When is the last time you prayed? God, don't let your word return void. We need to pray in agreement. We've been focusing. We've been focusing as a church. We've been focusing all year. Think up. You've been seeing that since January. You're going to see it next January too. Amen. Because we're going to continue on. Think up. We're going to unify ourselves in prayer. Amen. we got to pray together, but we got to pray together in agreement. Pray together about the same thing. The Bible says if, ten, if one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. Amen. Think about it. If we could just get in agreement and say, hey, God, we just had enough of this, and we're going to ask you to put your hand. We're going to ask you to build a wall. Amen. A round of protection. Amen. I believe what we ought to pray that God would take down walls of tradition. Amen. Religious tradition in the minds of people and help us as a church to declare his infallible truth. Amen. His un building, unbending, and unyielding truth. Amen. Let us declare that God. Let us declare that God. Jesus commanded his disciples and us. Say to yonder mountain, be removed. It's in the book. I don't think he was just talking about trying to move real estate around. But there's some mountains that we need to look at and point at and say, be thou removed. I know I mentioned this last year after our prayer conference, 
last year at our prayer conference, Brother, Brother Suey was um, one, of the, one of the speakers, and, and, and he began to share some things about focused prayer. Of course, that was not the first time we've ever heard or talked about focused prayer, but it was just something powerful that happened that night in the service as he began to talk about how important it is to pray for our leaders. He put a picture of the White House on that screen. He said, now I want everybody to point at that White House, point at that screen, and let's pray together for the people that occupy that house. Not Republican, Democrat, let's pray for whoever's occupying that house. Let's pray for them, let's pray for them. Amen, there was just something, I, I, I don't know, I, it was a, uh, maybe I just need a, a visual aid. Maybe I'm this, that kind of guy. But that was something about those, those hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people at one time that were Sister Danielle pointing. It was right, focus. It was focused. And then he put several other images. If you were there, you know what I'm talking about. And he said, now point at that screen. And we're going to pray about that. We're going to pray about that. You know, every Saturday we're mailing you a focused prayer. We're not, you know, we're doing that because somebody felt like they needed a job. Somebody was bored. There's something powerful because we're pointing at this stuff. And we are together saying, pray. This week we're going to be praying for the children of our missionaries all around the world. My Lord have mercy. My Lord have mercy. I want to tell you, I have grand faith that while we pray, God is going to touch our missionaries' children. He's going to encourage them. He's going to strengthen them. Amen. He's going to put home in their heart. He is absolutely going to do it. Amen. Now, David wrote 73 of the 150 Psalms. In 57 of them, all but 16, he is either, David himself is either going into or he is in the midst of or he's coming out of a pile of trouble. <laughs> that's the truth. That's the truth. Amen. So here's David. He's either packing his bags, using his bags, or emptying his bags long enough to wash his clothes. Going into, in the midst of, or coming out of. Well, aren't you glad to come to church today and get all encouraged? What I'm telling you is that we are not much different at all. We are going into, in the midst of, coming out of. We better know how to pray. We better know how to pray. The Bible says that these things happen unto them as in samples. Because God knew there were going to be times, just like you and I, and it's all right. It's all right to acknowledge this. There are going to be times in our walk with God we're going through seasons of total bewilderment. What in the world is going on? I've been there. Don't think less of me. You've been there. There have been times in our walk with God that we went through sheer seasons of loneliness. And 10,000 people in a room wouldn't have made you feel any less lonely loneliness we've gone through seasons of sickness we've all through walked walk through valleys of grief amen I'm thankful for these men and women of God who've gone before us 
and they mark the path well. They're not all out here in our church cemetery. Not all of them know that not all of them, but many of them are. And those headstones are to be a comfort, hope. They made it. Peril, storms. They just kept standing up when they got knocked down. They kept brushing off the dirt when they fell down. They just kept pressing forward. I want to preach, I want to reach to us today. And I want us to understand the power of praying against something. It's our right. As a matter of fact, it's our responsibility. When people are marching unashamedly down the streets of Washington, D.C. with their cause, we shouldn't be curled up in a fetal position. I'm not suggesting join them and fight them on the sidewalk because I'll tell you a better place to fight that on our knees and say, God, I speak against the spirit that is destroying lies. Are we just going to let the spirit of destruction keep tearing down families and breaking up marriages? Or are we going to step out on the edge here and say, God, I speak against that. I, I pray against that. I pray against that. Are we just going to let young people continue to get caught up in the promiscuousness of the world that they're saturated in every day? And are we going to allow them to keep walking down halls of drug addiction and alcoholism? And or, or, or at some point, are we just going to stretch our hand out and say, God, I'm asking you to stop this. I'm asking you to send an angel to chase them away. I'm in the book, friend. I am in the book, friend. I'm in the book. I'm asking you to send an angel to chase that away. I want to empower you, sir. I want to empower you, ma'am. I want to empower you by the hope that is found in this book that we have a right to pray against evil. We have a right to pray against the God of this world. We have a right against, to pray against the spirit of this world. Hallelujah. Come on, let's lift our voices. Let faith be found in our mouth. Hallelujah. It'll be all right if our neighbors hear us pray today. It'll be all right if our neighbors hear us pray today. Because we've had enough, God. We've had enough. We've had enough. And we're going to start building some fences in prayer. We're going to build some walls in prayer. We're going to build some walls in prayer. We're going to build some walls in prayer. In the name of Jesus, 
in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Don't stop praying, but hear me. I, I feel something in the Holy Ghost. I feel to say something in the Holy Ghost. I don't want to offend anybody here, but I believe God wants to say something. Amen. Those of you who have children that have been raised in the church who are now attending another church that does not preach this gospel, amen, are you just going to sit idly by and just hope that you put enough seed in them to begin with? Are you just going to hope that you planted seed enough? Or are you willing to rise up and say, God, I'm asking you to, I'm going to pray against this. I'm going to pray that the walls of tradition religion would come down and that the eyes, God, of, of, of their understanding would be open and that their heart would be open and that they would recall. I feel this in the Holy Ghost. Please don't fight me on this. I feel this in the Holy Ghost. Amen. We've got some parents here today. Amen. We've got some that will hear this message by way of our internet. Amen. I pray that you'll speak against that. Amen. That you'll pray against that. I'm not asking you to hate them. I'm not asking you to, to put a, a distance between you and them. I'm talking about what you can do in prayer. I'm talking about what you can do in the stillness of the night. Oh God, let this apostolic truth rise in their heart. Let a burning desire, God. Amen. For water baptism in your name. Let a burning desire, God, for the mighty God in Christ to be underlined in their heart. In the name of Jesus. 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 Amen. This doesn't just apply to children. Amen. This doesn't just apply. This doesn't just apply to children. You may have siblings. You may have lost loved ones. Amen. Somebody. Amen. Who once shouted the aisles. Someone who once walked in this way, but they've drifted away and they have found comfort in the shadow of another steeple. They have found comfort in a message that's a little easier in their mind. They found comfort. Amen. They found comfort like Judas. Amen. To go back to traditionalism. But hear me today. I believe it's all right for us to pray and say God I'm going to pray against that 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 this message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church we pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.